Hey, Cody Birch here. Welcome back to the Cody Builds a Business podcast and our alternative traffic series. Today, we talk with my friend Grant Baldwin. He is a returning guest on the show, and Grant is an awesome speaker. He helps speakers grow their business. And as you know, speaking is an important part of my history. I started out working with a company that helps speakers grow their business. We started back in 2006 is when I started there and I actually was a public speaker for a while. I went into middle schools and high schools around the country with a character education program called Rachel's Challenge. And so that's how I got my chops in the public speaking space. And so I met Grant a few years ago and we've stayed in touch ever since. Super smart guy. He loves speaking and he thinks about speaking quite a bit differently. And I know you'll love this interview on how Grant is looking at speaking through a different lens and how we can use it to get more traffic and get more attention and serve other people and spread our mission and share our message and attract people that we feel called to serve. So enjoy this chat with Grant Baldwin. Want to know what it really takes to build a thriving, profitable business from the ground up? Hey, I'm your host, Cody Birch, and this is the Cody Builds a Business Podcast, your unfiltered front row seat to watching me build a seven-figure online business from scratch or die trying. Let's get started. Hey, before we go to the interview today, I wanted to make sure you knew about my newest workshop. It's called the Laidback Launch Workshop, and it's something that I am really, really proud of because when you go to launch your next program, course, membership, mastermind, whatever it is, you can get kind of bogged down in the details. And the temptation is to go ahead and build the thing and plan a big launch and get JVs and affiliates. And it's actually the opposite of that that I teach in the Laidback Launch Workshop. We talk about how to validate your idea before you even build it, how to get your first few customers, and how to build social proof and momentum towards a big spotlight launch in the future should you choose to do that. So to check out the Laidback Launch Workshop, just go to codybirch.com slash laidback. All right, we now welcome back to the podcast, Grant Baldwin. How are you doing today, man? Dude, it's an honor and a delight to be here with you. you. Thanks for letting me hang out. Yeah, you are one of my few recurring guests. It takes a lot to get invited back into the studio to chat about stuff on the show. So consider yourself one of a few elite people that I, I thought that'd be a good idea. I don't know what I did wrong to be here a second time, but good to be back. <laughs> Well, I'm excited to chat with you about speaking because, well, a lot of reasons. Number one, it's near and dear to my heart. It's what I did before I got into the funnels and ads marketing game. It was around speaking, and that's how you and I got connected originally several years ago. Mm -hmm. And couple that with people freaking out about Facebook ads, people freaking out about compliance, getting their ad account shut down, whatever Zuckerberg and Tim Cook are up to that they don't like each other right now. And people are really concerned about that. And so I've been bringing lots of people on the show to to dish on their secrets of how they're getting traffic and attention and eyeballs onto their offers outside of Facebook ads and thought, Grant could talk about speaking. That's for sure. You've helped a lot of people do that. And uh, that's that's why I dragged you onto the show today. So thanks for coming on, man. It's an honor to be back. You didn't have to drag. You just sent an email. Hey, are you free? Yep, yep. And just I say yes, and you tell me what we're doing. That is a more accurate representation of what it was like to book you on the <laughs> podcast. So thanks for being easy and and super smart. So let's go ahead and jump in on the speaking stuff. Give people a quick background of what you do and how you help people spread their message. Yeah, so I run a training company called The Speaker Lab where we teach people how to find and book paid speaking gigs. Uh, this has obviously been a, a unique uh, past 12 months or so. And um, uh, as the pandemic affected, obviously the world, but certainly the speaking industry. And so if anything, now that we're, you know, again, a year removed from the start of all of this, uh, I think that there are there's created even more opportunities than there were previously. And we can dig into that. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. But I think now is actually a phenomenal time to, uh, to leverage speaking both online and offline to uh, to generate you know leads to your offer or whatever it may be. Yeah, I, I feel like there's other opportunities now that might not look like they used to in the past that involve airports and carry-on baggage and checked fees and 
seat change fees and dealing with all that stuff on airplanes anymore, but there sure are lots of virtual events and even new platforms. I was thinking about Clubhouse uh, mm-hmm. as this new viral platform. I heard Seth Godin talk about it today on his podcast. Like, all right, it finally made it to where Seth is even mentioning <laughs> this new app. And how I see all of that is there are people who have aggregated our audience already, whether they were hosting an in-person event like I did back in 2019 or hosted a few virtual events last year as well, or they've got a following on Clubhouse or Instagram Live or YouTube Live. In my head, I'm seeing a lot of diversification in how we can spread our message with other people's audiences and other people's platforms as well. Is that kind of what you've seen in the last year? Yeah, I think one of the things I've noticed is that, you know, pre-COVID, when people thought about speaking, like you kind of described there, people typically thought about the, the traditional, you go there, you're, it's, a, it's a physical space, everyone's there together, um, which is great. There's nothing that, that compares to being together in person. Um, but when COVID hit, then all of a sudden, like that just comes to a, a complete halt. And so pre-COVID, the idea of doing something virtual, virtual has been around for a long time, but speakers never took it seriously, event planners never took it seriously. So it's just kind of this, I don't know, this awkward kid in the corner that no one really paid attention to. And then once COVID really hit and everything was shut down, like all of a sudden there's no other option and it is virtual or nothing. And so all of a sudden people are like, okay, we got to figure this out. We got to take this seriously. And I think now like, yeah, there's some level of Zoom fatigue and that sort of thing. But I think coming out of this is now, you know, we're at a point where the vaccine's making the rounds and more and more uh, like cases are dropping, deaths are dropping, more and more live events are coming back. I've seen, so actually multiple uh, speaker friends today at the time of this recording who posted, hey, I did my first live event in the past, you know, several months or several year or a year or so. Uh, so it's it's coming back more and more and more. But what the good thing is, is that the virtual thing is now seen as this viable alternative, whereas before it wasn't, again, it was just kind of the soccer thing that no one paid attention to. So now I think what we'll see is live events keep coming back, coming back, coming back, coming back. But then there's plenty of people who are going, it doesn't make sense for us to have a live event or to do the work to, to pull everybody together. But we see that that this virtual thing could be taken seriously, both from an event standpoint and then from an audience standpoint. Um, and there's, again, there's pros and cons to it, but the upside is like, it, it's a heck of a lot simpler to put together. And the other thing that we've noticed is that um, the the lead time for putting something together is much, much shorter and simpler. Meaning that, you know, to, to go speak at a, a physical in-person event, most of those are booked, you know, three to six months in advance, if not further, uh, because of how many logistics and details go into it. But whereas now, We've I've talked to several speakers who have said I've been booked for a virtual thing that's happening you know next week or two weeks out or tomorrow. I've talked to a couple of speakers that have said you know they talked to a potential client and they're like hey you know are you free, are you free tomorrow? Uh, and so it creates all these new opportunities for speakers and people who don't even think of themselves as speakers to present virtually to get in, get on a stage in front of a different type of audience that maybe they wouldn't been exposed to otherwise. Uh, and so I think if again if anything I think there's a lot more opportunities now because of virtual both in the you know, the typical virtual Zoom type of space, but also like you're alluding to, whether that's going to be on on podcasts or uh, Clubhouse or a Facebook Live or whatever it may be, uh, there's a lot of opportunities now for speakers at all levels. Yeah, I was doing a case study for a client and I wanted to give, we had sold like my email swipe files I'd used to fill my virtual event last June. So I dug back into my Infusionsoft and I tried to find the emails and I went back to around, I went to April and there were no emails about my event in April. I was like, that's weird. I went to May and there was almost no emails in May until I realized on May 28th, I think literally 14 days before my live virtual event, I sent my first email and the subject line was, you're invited. And it's like, hey, what are you doing in two weeks? Kind of a Donald Miller vibe. Like, are you free two weeks from today, June 11th, I'm doing this event. 
And we got about 60 people registered, about 48 or something were really active that day. And I was just shocked looking back, remembering, oh yeah, I gave myself kind of no runway to host a one day, full day virtual event that I sold tickets for. It wasn't a free thing. You had to pay to show up. And then I sold some coaching high ticket stuff from that event and it was really profitable. So that's why I was looking back, like what happened there? Was it a six month runway? No, I think it was like a two month runway. Oh, it was a two week runway and still people showed up and made it happen. And my barrier to entry, like you said, is way less on the virtual side as an expert. So for people listening, thinking, I think I'm gonna do my own virtual event. I spent, I think 1200 bucks to get a production guy, a little bit of a studio, some video editing, some audio overlays. I don't know how to use Ecamm. So he used Ecamm production Mm -hmm. studio. So I paid him just over a thousand bucks to run that. But an in-person event was, I don't know, $40,000 in vendors. And I paid my, you know, audio guy there 10 grand for four days. And it's just crazy how accessible uh, it has become over the last year. And all those different, uh, all those different like models that we can put in front of people to put our expertise and our desire to help people uh, make it more accessible than before. So, what m- what models, I guess, have you seen in your business, whether it's a one day or a four day or a, a lot of speakers or no speakers or sponsors? Like, what's been your favorite evolution, I guess, in the last year? Well, I think one thing that that is that is certainly something that speakers need to be aware of, and and you know, quote unquote, event planners need to be aware of is is Zoom fatigue is a real thing. You know, so sitting in front of a screen for you know several hours or for an hour even, it's just it's really really long. So if anything, I would err on the side of of being short and concise because you know people's people's attention span, their bandwidth, uh, it's it's just limited. So trying to do you know an all day thing or a couple day thing, it's just it's a really really big commitment for people, and it's also just a a big you know mental uh, brain suck really for, for that much time. So if anything, I'd be thinking, you know, smaller, uh, more concise, more, you know, bite-sized chunks than, than longer. So that's one of the bigger things that we've seen lately, as far as like what really works to, to keep people's attention. You know, you, you think about when, when you're asking someone to, to commit to someone, pe- something people want to know, like how long is it going to be right before we started recording? I was asking you, Hey, how, how long is it? I'm good with something, but you know, people want to know what that expectation is going into it. Um, so that, that, they're immediately assessing like, okay, is this, you know, do I want to stick around for a couple hours? Do I want to stick around full, full, do I want to give up a full day for this? So yeah, if anything, I would say, you know, definitely erring on the, on the side of, of being shorter, if you're going to, uh, if you're going to host something or put something on. Yeah. I remember the zoom fatigue stuff. Even last week, my wife taught something live. She had charged for, it was about a two hour workshop and about three minutes in, uh, one of my kids knocked a 10 lunchbox full of, filled with dice off the couch. <laughs> and imagine the sound that that makes. It was just the right. loudest thing. And I was listening downstairs. I ran up there. I was like, hey, kids, cut it out. Like, stop kicking metal right. around the house. And then, like, DoorDash showed up because she had to get lunch for the kids and ring the doorbell. And then Amazon showed up an hour later. So I was unplugging the ring devices in our houses right. to stop the chimes. And and that's, that's what I think of when I think of, like, a four-day event. Uh, it's really hard to set aside all that time and focus for four days when if you have kids, you know, kids are hungry or the dog's got to go for a walk or something happened compared to being able to like fly to Orlando to be there in person for four days and get away from it all. That's a different experience. So I like what you said about shorter events. That's cool. Yeah. And to your point there, so you you think about like, okay, let's, you know, this is happening on your end as the presenter for your wife, right? But if you're an attend, quote unquote attendee and you're there watching and all this is happening, you're not like, hey, hang on, hang on. Can you stop? Can you go back to that thing? I missed it. Like, you're going to go answer the door. You're going to go deal with the kids. You're going to go do what? 
out and take the dog out, you know? So you're kind of like, you're kind of there, you're kind of not, yeah. you know, because it's virtual and, and it's really in, in some ways kind of somewhat one way as far as, as visually, you know, like if I'm speaking on stage and I can see the audience and I'm making eye contact with them and they're not paying attention, like they're aware of it and I'm aware of it. Right. So it creates kind of this, like, okay, I'm, I'm here. They're looking at me. I have to pay attention. Right. Versus like when it's virtual, like I'm kind of listening, but I also, I'm going to pull, I'm going to check my email real quick. Let me just pull up Facebook. I was I meant to watch this YouTube video. So, you know, and I'm kind of tuning in, I'm kind of tuning out. So it's just, uh, the, the more, the shorter, the more concise, the tighter you can make it. I'd also say that one thing that works really well is adding some levels of, of interaction and engagement. So it's not just this, you know, talking head on a screen. So, you know, really, really utilizing chat or utilizing polls or utilizing some type of exercise or some type of engagement or involvement for them. So it isn't just a, you know, again, just a, a talking head. Uh, those things go a long way as well. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about the how we can find additional speaking opportunities because this whole series on the podcast is around finding those traffic sources. So for people listening that are like, yeah, but I don't really have a lot of influence if I were to host my own event or were to jump on a Facebook Live or a Clubhouse, the audience I could amass might not be great. What are some tips that you've seen? And you've done this for so many times. You've probably, I was gonna, I would guess thousands of people, right? Of Either through your books, maybe tens of thousands, your books, your events, your trainings, your courses, your programs you've put out there, you've taught so many people how to make money speaking and finding stages. And I can see the book over your shoulder there, The Successful Speaker, Carefully Placed, uh, which is an awesome book, by the way. Strategically Placed. So what are some ways that you would recommend people start to find additional stages to be on so they can share their ideas? Yeah, let me give you a couple of ideas. So one would be whenever it comes to like a traditional event, whether that's going to be in person or online, and you know some type of event is happening, uh, one of the simplest things you can do is to ask. Uh, and people oftentimes assume like, oh, why did that speaker go get to speak at that? And I'm just, I would love to speak, but I'm just going to sit back and I wait for someone to find me or I wait, wait for the phone to ring. Or, you know, I mentioned that I'm a speaker and I updated my Twitter bio and I said, I'm a speaker, but no one said anything yet. And like, it's very, it's just very, very passive, right? Um, which if you want to do that, that's fine, but don't be surprised when nobody thinks of you, right? And so the other thing that you can do is be a lot more proactive and just asking. Like, if you know there's an event taking place, one of the things that's important to remember is that you as a speaker are in the problem solving business and the event planner is in the, uh, their problem is that they have an, an event, they're looking for speakers, they have an audience that has some type of problem. And if it's very clear how you solve that problem, then it makes sense for you to reach out to them, right? So it's kind of like, you know, at the time of this recording, we um, we're, we're in winter time here uh, ish spring is around the corner but uh, this past week I'm in the Nashville area this past week we had a, a ridiculous amount of snow uh, more snow than we ever get in Nashville for sure and so I, it reminded me like back in high school when it would snow a friend of mine uh, and I we would go to like go door to door knock on doors and ask if we could shovel driveways right and I remember one day we made like two hundred dollars each cash and you're just like as I don't know 15 16 year olds you were rich right um, and the reason that worked is because we would go to someone's house, there was a problem in their driveway and it wasn't like, we're just going to sit at home and like, oh, I hope they find us in the yellow pages or hope that, you know, whatever. It's just like, no, no. Hey, we noticed this problem in your driveway. Would you like for us to take care of that right now for you? And for the most part, it was like, yeah, sure. Here's 20 bucks to take care of the, of the problem. Um, versus again, sitting and waiting and hoping that they magically call you or find out. So when an, when an event planner is putting on some type of event, whether that's again, in person or virtual, 
just starting a conversation, not saying, hey, I'm the most amazing speaker in the world and here's why you should hire me and send some like 98 paragraph email. No, no, no. But like starting some conversation. I, I'm a speaker. You're an event planner. You're looking for speakers. So like, again, just kind of initiating the conversation and looking for ways that you can provide value and help solve that problem. So that'd be one thing I would, I would suggest. Another thing I would suggest is, especially when it comes to virtual right now, is um, it's a lot easier to have some form of quote unquote impromptu event. And I use event very loosely. And what I mean by that is let's say that you were talking to, um, you know, you were, you were talking to, to someone and um, I was trying to think of a good example. Um, uh, well, here's an example. So I was, um, uh, I, you, you mentioned Clubhouse. There's a, a speaker friend of mine that's really utilized Clubhouse well, as mentioned, he's booked some gigs out of it. And I was like, okay, I, I, I downloaded Clubhouse. I signed up. And that's the extent I've got to it, right? So uh, I said, what if we, you know, what if we um, hop on the podcast and talk about Clubhouse? So we we were just recorded an episode a couple weeks ago talking about Clubhouse. And he he'd suggested like, hey, what if instead of talking about Clubhouse, what if we then hop on Clubhouse and kind of use the, the podcast to point to this other thing and go there, have a conversation about how speakers can use, use Clubhouse, right? So in a way, this is kind of this impromptu type of event that we're doing that is not like, hey, we're going to plan this thing three months or six months out. It is, um, he's been able to provide a solution to my audience and we're able to say, Hey, what, how soon could we do that? What would that look like? Let's, let's do that tomorrow. Let's do that next week. You know? Uh, and so whether that's, you know, you're talking with someone and you know, there's some type of need that their audience has, Hey, what if we, what if we just do a zoom next week? You know, or what, like, what if we, uh, hop on zoom or what if we hop on clubhouse or what if we hop on Facebook live or what if we, can I, can I just host a webinar for you? Nobody has to opt in or no strings attached. I'm not going to sell anything, but let me just teach or train or offer something to that audience. Those impromptu things right now, uh, there's a lot more opportunities for some of that spontaneity, uh, versus like, Hey, let's plan something six months into the future for a physical in-person event. So, um, yeah, it's a really long answer there, but all that said, like, there's a lot of opportunity right now, but you, you, you don't want to be passive about it and just like, boy, I wish, you know, I wish someone would invite me to a clubhouse or I wish someone would uh, invite me to do a webinar. I wish someone invite me to come speak. No, no, like just, just ask. Uh, and the war, like it's free to ask the worst they can say is no. And that's, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. I love the second point that you said there just being, it's a, it's a reframe of our expectations and our mindset to, to look for those opportunities. Cause in the past, if you're in this rut of like the traditional event space saying, well, I need to make sure there's a brochure and send you my bio and my headshot for page six of your thing. And can I buy an ad in the brochure as well? So I can get a breakout and a keynote and can I do an exhibit booth as well? Like that's, uh, coming back, Lord willing, I can't wait to get back in front of people doing those own events and hosting my own events and traveling and speaking and those things. But the reframe of everything you just said of, hey, can we spon spontaneous, uh, spontaneously, there it's a lot of syllables, can we spontaneously uh, jump on this platform or, or do this now? I mean, honestly, just on this chat with our video on, I should have done the additional three seconds of steps of putting this chat uh, on my Facebook newsfeed via a live stream so we could have those conversations there. If we're all talking about how do I get more attention? How do I share my ideas? This will end up on the podcast. I'll put it in my in my members community. Uh, and who knows where that'll go from there of you and I potentially doing some work together or me hiring you to come into my group and teach my members about speaking or all those opportunities just by being open and aware and uh, being you know, creative with what those platforms uh, can look like now that are just different than 
a year ago, you know? Yeah. And let me speak to something on that as well, is that so much of, of speaking is, is about relationships. And so I think there, there's probably people who are listening who are going like, well, I don't, you know, I don't know anybody and I don't have as many, you know, contacts or connections, or I don't know anyone who has, you know, uh, who hosts events or anything like that. And listen, let's say a couple of things that everybody starts from zero, like everybody starts from scratch. And uh, there are people in your world right now that, that you have relationships with or that you're starting to form relationships with uh, and be aware of those people. So let's, let's talk real quick, just for context, like how you and I got connected, right? You and I first met a couple years ago, or I guess it was like several years ago, wasn't it? Through, through a mutual friend that you yep. were working with. Yep. Um, so you're working with them. We kind of like loosely kind of stayed in touch, that sort of thing. But then we crossed paths at a, at a conference. Um, yep. We met up at a conference there. We hung out a little bit. And then fast forward like a month or so later, I was in town for a speaking gig. We connected again, had breakfast or something, hung out there. And it just, again, kind of stayed in touch. I, when I launched a book last year, you had me on the, you know, the podcast. Okay. Uh, so that's just, it's not like, um, you know, if we go back, I don't know, five, six, seven years or something to that very first connection, it wasn't like, man, if I could just, if I can hang out with Cody, then seven years from now, maybe he'll have me on a podcast. No, no. It's just like being aware of, let me be intentional to build a relationship. Maybe it turns into something, maybe it doesn't. Like that's not, that's not the point. Um, but building, like being smart about building relationships with people so that when an opportunity or need rolls around where I could go to Cody, like whenever the book came out a year ago and I'm not saying, man, I've got a book coming out. I wish Cody would invite me. It's me going to Cody saying, hey dude, is this something that, you, uh, that would make sense for me to talk about or come? how can I help add value to uh, the audience or, or speak to your group or something like that. Uh, so again, being intentional about building relationships and planting seeds now, you know, when you look at people who, you know, they're, they have their, their quote unquote picking fruit from, um, uh, and you're just like, well, I, you know, I, I can't speak to that uh, audience or I'm not, you know, I don't have as big as name or I don't have as many followers. I don't, you know, whatever crap, uh, realize like none of that's just like an overnight thing. That's like a lot of seeds that were planted a long time ago that led to the fruit that you're seeing today. So even if you're just like, I don't know what I could do to like start planting seeds in terms of relationships. Uh, and those things will tend to, you know, oftentimes they'll, they'll bear fruit a, a long time from now. Yeah, totally true. We met. Yeah, it's got to be. I bet that was yeah six or so years ago. Last week I had uh, Mel Abraham on the podcast, and I thought the same thing. I was like, "How did I meet Mel?" I was like, "Well, probably like 2014." Yeah. And I just reached out to him and asked if he want to come on the show and have a chat. And and we haven't stayed really closely in touch. You and I have, have done a better job of that, uh, mainly because you're nice and friendly, and you text me every you know couple months and say, "Hey, man, checking in. How how are things going?" And it's very genuine. And 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 now and and look at us now. You're back on the show doing this doing this now. Perfect circle um, of life. That's right. Well, one thing I wanted to chat about or get your opinion on is about frameworks, proprietary processes. And here's what I mean. If I said, if you said, hey man, like you, if you bumped into me at a conference and pinned me up against a wall and put your finger in my face and said, what are you good at? And I was like, uh, funnels or ads or like something generic marketing, uh, list building. Those are all fine things. I am good at those things. But why I've been asked to speak a little bit more recently is in December, I believe it was, I developed a process called a laid back launch. And I heard Brian Levesque talks about a lazy launch. I've heard people talk about lazy. I was like, well, I don't really want to be lazy. I don't want my kids to be lazy, but I'd like to be laid back. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach a laid back launch. And here's how you do a laid back launch. And I taught the whole process. I did a workshop. I charged money for the workshop. That was super fun because it was about an hour, hour and a half. It wasn't a full day. And I made some decent money doing that. Now that's on Evergreen and it's a ton of fun. Well, word got out enough that this Cody guy's got this process called a laid back launch. And now other people have been asking me to come into their communities and teach that process. Well, 
if I said, well, I'm Cody, I talk about funnels and stuff, they probably wouldn't have asked me to be yeah. on the show. But something about this specificity and kind of the cool name, and it's got a simple four-step process anybody can follow, and it's a pretty ubiquitous solution to any kind of course creator, membership site owner, expert, people trying to do a course or mastermind or program. You should use a laid-back launch. I'll teach you. And that's been a few people reaching out to me. I haven't even gone on the offensive yet. And I bet I've been on, I don't know, five or so podcasts or in their masterminds or things like that in the last couple of weeks, which is reminding me, hey, do that more often. And you're reminding me now, go go ask, right? Tell them you got this thing. Yep. Can you speak to, to that, like the remarkability, I guess, of what people know and what they teach and how that might open up additional doors for them? Yeah, I'll give you a couple of thoughts on it. One would be, I do think that, that having some type of framework that you kind of codify and name and and put like, yeah, this is what we do. I'll give you an example. So for us, um, we were trying to think through like, um, like an example would be, if you look at Dave Ramsey's baby steps, you know, if anybody that knows anything about Ramsey, he teaches these seven baby steps. And it's just anything he teaches, like on the radio show or in his books or courses or anything like that, it always points back to, okay, you're at baby step two. So you need to be thinking about baby step three and here's the next steps and da, 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 da right? And so he's always pointing back to this framework. And it's, it's just seven baby steps is literally what he calls them. And so we were trying to think through like, okay, what's the framework that we teach people for finding and booking gigs? And so we were kind of playing with, okay, this is, you know, you need to do this and need to do this. And ultimately we kind of came up with like, okay, here's kind of some five steps. Now, how do we, how do we make this memorable? How do we make this sticky? And so um, try to play with the acronym and we ultimately landed on the acronym SPEAK, S-P-E-A-K. And this is kind of the framework that we teach. This is the, you know, the book, this is exactly what we lay out, the SPEAK framework. And obviously ties in with being a speaker. And so, uh, and there was nothing more than like, let's really think through like, what's the process here that we teach? And then um, like literally just playing on a whiteboard, playing with keywords and you know, using some artistic liberties there of just like, okay, how do we, you know, how do we turn this into something that that's memorable? And and so that's a core thing that we, that we teach today. Um, and really where I think we first started like playing with that was some stuff that, that you mentioned Donald Miller. Uh, so stuff that he teaches on story brand and really like giving something a name. Cause all of a sudden like people, rather than just kind of like, yeah, the five-step process for booking gigs. No, no, we, we teach the speak methodology. It's like, oh, what that sounds different. It's the same thing, but it just sounds sexy, right? Oh. So that's one thing I would be thinking about. The other thing that I would be thinking about is um, the, 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 the first part of the speak framework, S, is to select a problem to solve. And there's really two parts of that, is getting really, really clear on who you speak to and what's the problem that you solve. So the more specific you can be here, the better. Because rather than saying like, um, you know, uh, I, I teach funnels, right? It's like, yes, that is. But if you said, um, all I do is I teach funnels for veterinarians, right? Now, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I can really easily determine whether that's for me or not. Now, if I'm a veterinarian, I'm going like, whoa, you have my attention. Like, tell me more, right? The danger, though, is that we have the opposite mentality, is that we want to spread the net as far and wide as possible. You know, I can make funnels for anyone, and I can I can also do email marketing, and I can also do... And just like on and on and on we go. And so we tell speakers all the time, and this is true for, you know, entrepreneurs, and in this analogy, that you want to be the steakhouse and not the buffet. You want to be the steakhouse, not the buffet. Meaning, like, if we're looking for a good steak, like, we're not going to go to Golden Corral. You know, steak is one of a hundred things that they offer, and they're all mediocre. We're going to go to a steakhouse where they do one thing, but they do that one thing really, really, really well. And so they're not doing, you know, lasagna. They're not doing tacos or spaghetti or, you know, whatever. They're, like they do, we do steak and that is it. And so saying like, no, no, I, I do funnels for veterinarians and that is it, right? Uh, and I'll give you one other example of this. I remember talking with a speaker friend of mine and he said, um, before getting into speaking, he, um, uh, he and a buddy had a business where they're basically doing like, 
investing or real estate investing, I think real estate for high net worth uh, individuals. And so they were marketing all different types of high net worth individuals. And like it was going okay, but he said they made one change and the next year doubled. And so what they did was instead of focusing on high net worth individuals, they focused on the exact same, solving the exact same problem, uh, but focusing on dentist. That was it. And he said they went to dentist conferences, went to dentist trade shows and conventions and so on and so forth. Uh, and he said like business blew up because we're focused on, we understand dentists. We understand what you're running into. We understand what your financial challenges are. We understand what your needs are. We can speak directly to dentists versus this generic for everybody. And they said that by doing so, like not only did business explode amongst dentists, but what, what started happening was they would have a, a dentist that would start working with them and be like, hey, um, I have an attorney friend over here that would really benefit from this. I have a doctor friend over here that would really benefit from this. I have a real estate agent friend over here. These other high net worth professions that could really benefit. Can you? Can I introduce you to them? Yeah, absolutely. But it all started by saying, we're not for everybody. We're for dentists, right? And our dentists are going like, perfect. Like you're exactly what I'm looking for. So again, the again, it's counterintuitive, but the more narrow, the more focused you can be, actually the easier it is to find the right type of, of customers and clients. Yeah. And then I, I would assume the invites, once that snowball starts rolling, then the invites would start to come. And when you're seen as the expert in that space with that very specific problem that you solve, then people will be reaching out to you to say, hey, can you come share your expertise or your five-step process or your three-step process with my audience? They'd really benefit from that. And then that makes that person that brought you in look like the hero to their community as well. And you come in as, I don't know, it's a, it's a win-win all around when that starts to happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. But again, we, we feel like um, but I don't want to limit myself to just dentists. I don't want to limit myself to just, you know, chiropractors or whatever. Like, but there's so many other groups I can speak to. Yeah, that may be the case. But again, the more narrow, the more clear, the more specific that you are, the easier it is to, to attract the right type of, of customer client. And we we get this in other ways. So for example, let's imagine, God forbid, that, that um, you know, one of us needed brain surgery, right? Like we have a choice. Like we could go to the local family medical doctor. Like they're a doctor. They went to medical school. They've probably performed some minor surgery before. Uh, they know more about the brain than you or I, but like if they've never done brain surgery, like I don't want that person cutting me up, you know, um, versus like going to the brain surgeon where they're like, that's all I do. You know, if you have a broken leg, I can't help you. You know, if you got a bad cough, I can't have, you. if you got the Rona, I don't know what to tell you, but if you have a brain issue, like I'm, I'm the doctor that you need to be talking to. Like we get it when it comes to that, like people want a specialist. They don't want this, the, the person that's just this generalist for everybody and nobody at the same time. Yeah. Have you seen the new Brian Regan comedy special by any chance? I haven't. Huh? I think it's it came on, out on like Netflix. Yeah. It came out like yesterday. I think we watched it last night with the kids. It it's good? family friendly. It's very good. But one of the jokes he makes is on that same, on that same vein of like, there's specialists for humans, but like vets are just vets. So a vet can help anybody. <laughs> He's like, where's the, the wildebeest knee surgeon, you know, like where's the, you know, where's the orthopedic doctor for, you know, mallard ducks or whatever. It's, it was a pretty funny uh, thought that it's a, this g generic animal doctor. If it's not a human, you go to the animal doctor and they can help anybody. Uh, the opposite of what you're saying when it comes to finding a specialist. That you're getting me excited because I, I told you before we hit record, I just uh, wrote a video sales letter that I'll have to record later today. And it's about um, how to evergreen. Uh, so it's specifically for people who have had a membership or a course, they've launched it and that's gone okay, but that felt kind of exhausting. So now they want to turn that into an evergreen sales system. An evergreen sales system sounds like something, somebody else bought that domain, I don't own it. So I've thought about and played with some words. Actually, my wife came up with the idea of the everlasting launch stopper. 
So I bought that domain, Everlasting Launch Stopper. And by the time this podcast airs, it's probably going to be live and people can go check that out. But it's just how to uh, evergreen your business. Now, it's more specifically, though, for course creators and membership site owners who have done a specific, who have done a successful launch in the past. So if that launch failed, you probably can't afford this thing. But assuming that went well and you made money and you validated your idea and you created the cool experience and you have the social proof and you want it to be a little easier, let's take the best parts of your launch and leave out the worst parts and do this thing called the Everlasting Launch Stopper. And I'll roll out a new service or something like that. So you're getting me excited because to me that feels like, could it be more specific? Yeah. Like it's not for brick and mortar owners. It's not for, I don't know. I can, I can think of who else it's not for, but specifically for a course or membership site owner. uh, What are your thoughts on that? I guess, is there a way to make that more specific? Cause you're right. It always, I kind of cringe when I'm like, uh, you know, membership site owners that have been in business 10 years and have over a thousand members. I'm like, oh, that's pretty specific. Like it would also work if you had 500 members or like me, you have 80 members or something. It would also work. What are your thoughts on on that? Yeah, I mean, it is difficult to narrow it down because again, we feel like, you know, let's go back to the steakhouse buffet example and, you know, a chef opening a restaurant going like, but I can cook so many other things other than steak. Like, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And and even like the, the, the dentist, you know, example of, you know, if you focus on one thing and then all of a sudden, like people are smart enough to look at someone's offer and be like, okay, I'm not a dentist, but I, I'm interested in that. Like, I see how that would help me. Like people can, can connect the dots, you know, like there would be times where I would go speak at something and I'd have someone in the audience come up and, and say, Hey, can you come speak at my thing? It's totally different than this thing that we're at now, but I see how what you just did would work for me. You know, like those type of things, like people are smart enough to, to make the connections. But if you're trying to, again, be all things for all people, then people are going like, I don't know, is this for me? Is this not for me? Uh, so I think again, the more, the more narrow, the more specific you can be, the, the better. So like in your case, if you were focusing on a, you know, um, you know, just for coaches or just for consultants or just for, you know, maybe just for brick and mortar or, you know, or something like that, um, that the more, again, the more specific it is, the easier it is for people to self-identify that this, this is what I need. And, and, and I should be a customer of this program. Yeah. Thinking through is we, and the main reason I do a podcast is to interview people that specifically can help me in my own problems. And so that's what we're doing right now too, because I'm thinking I'm more edifying slash bragging that I've got, that I'm excited about this stuff that you and I are talking about. But my wife uh, knows how to do lots of different kinds of events. Some of her clients do two day fulfillment events back Mm -hmm. pre COVID and they would do three or four day enrollment events. So like there are two different kinds of events, but there's there's lots of other kinds, but th- that's what she really focused on. And honestly, she loved the two-day fulfillment workshops where there was no pitch. It was just surprise and delight, white glove, give this amazing like Gucci experience to these people in the nice hotels. Yeah. And when she would book any event, she would just Google like nicest boutique hotel in Nashville and find mm-hmm. like the Noel or whatever. And she's like, well, I'm just gonna do it here. This looks great. And then she would put these really cool events on. Now in the virtual space, we've had these conversations around like, well, what you know could help a lot of different types of people. And there's no really right or wrong answer on how long an event should be or the kind of event it should be. But after a few conversations back and forth, what she settled on for her course is how to host a one day enrollment event virtually to enroll 10 or more high ticket clients. Like that's the that's what she settled on as the specificity of the promise. Maybe not for the, the niche, because there's lots of different niches that could benefit from that. But she honed that down, I guess, specifically to the Um, the outcome that that can create. So I could say in my business, like I build challenge funnels for entrepreneurs to sell courses or whatever. Like that'd be a little more specific than I build whatever funnel for whoever needs it to get whatever outcome they can dream up. Yep. Right. 
Yep, yep, exactly. And and again, it's it's difficult to narrow down because you're it's just easy to justify. But I, I can also do that. I can also do that. And I, but like that that's not what that's not what people are, are looking for or wanting. And at the same time, like it's possible to go too narrow. You know, um, where you're going like I am the orthopedic surgeon for wildebeest. You know, <laughs> but only for your right leg, not for your left leg. And you know that type of thing. It's like there's that's not a thing. Um, so also recognize like when when you're when you're figuring this out or when you're thinking about this or making decisions on it, like you're, I tell speakers all the time, like you're not making a permanent decision. You're not getting a tattoo. So like you're, you're picking something and then if you need to pivot or adjust, um, by all means, feel, feel free to do that. Like every, every entrepreneur, every speaker, everybody that you look up to, you admire, you respect, we're all figuring it out as we go and making all these like miniature course corrections as we go. And like, Hey, does this, I tried this, I ran this experiment, it didn't really work. Or I tried this experiment. This worked really, really well. Let's double down on that. But don't feel like, okay, I'm, 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 picking something and like, it's the only thing I can ever do, but don't also feel like I, you know, I'm going to change every single week to wherever the wind's blowing for that week to, to, you know, to try something new or different. Yeah, definitely. Well, I really enjoyed uh, this chat. You're a wealth of knowledge of speaking and how to use speaking to grow your business and to get more traffic on your offers. And really, if you had this, what we're talking about, if you really get this dialed in, or once you get it dialed in, people don't need to be worried as much about whatever Facebook algorithm happens. If you're constantly being invited to speak to other people's audiences, if you're hosting your own events, that then gets you out above the the chaos and the malaise of whatever is happening with Facebook ads and your ad account and things like that as well. So I'll give you the last word here. Where do people go to learn more about you? Pick up a copy of your book, which came out last year. Tell them what to do next. Yeah, everything we do is over at thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We've got a podcast by the same name, The Speaker Lab Podcast. And um, yeah, the book is called The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid and Building Your Platform. So uh, yeah, anything we can do to help serve, support you, uh, feel free to, to holler anytime and I'm happy to help however I can. Awesome, Grant. Well, thank you for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it and look forward to next time. Thanks, brother.